I realized, I realized real quick, I'm not a psychopath because when I was eight years old, I cried during March of the Penguins twice. You cry like every two seconds now. I cried during Cheetah Girl. Thank you, Jack. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Welcome to this week's episode of Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens, our podcast where we talk about feminism and pop culture. I'm Pate. And I'm Nellie. For the month of October, we are focusing on election-related media, some fictional and others nonfiction. By the time this episode is released, there will be only 18 days until this pivotal and important U.S. presidential election. So we wanted to focus on different shows and movies with political themes. This week, we're going back to our roots of television and discussing Netflix's The Politician. We are very excited to talk about this comedy drama TV series. The Politician is about Peyton Hobart, a student from Santa Barbara who has known since age seven that he's going to be president of the United States. But first, he'll have to navigate the most treacherous political landscape of all, St. Sebastian High School. Created by Ryan Murphy, Brad Falchuk, and Ian Brennan, and starring Ben Platt with Gwyneth Paltrow. This Emmy-nominated series is a comedy about moxie, ambition, and getting what you want at all costs. We are also very excited to welcome our dear friend, Jack Griffith, as our guest this week. Like us, Jack graduated from Swanee in May. He majored in politics, was the King of Sterlings, and might I say it, an ADT icon, and is currently an admissions counselor. We're so excited to have him on the pod this week. Welcome, Jack. Hey, thank you for having me. That was so cute. Before we begin, we'd like to add a brief content warning as there are multiple instances of suicide attempts and self-harm in the politician. This can be triggering to those that struggle with mental health or suicide, so please feel free to click away if needed. As we've done every week, we will include action items and resources at the end of the episode, so stay tuned to hear those. During the month of October, we'll be sharing action items having specifically to do with the election. Now, without further ado, let's dive into the show. Okay, so we do this every week where the first question, we kind of dig into why we choose a specific form of media. Normally, it's a movie, but this week we're doing a TV show. So, Jack, I know... um, Nelly was definitely eager to talk about The Politician, which after watching five episodes, I can understand why it's so much fun, but also so chaotic. Um, But so Jack specifically, we wanted to ask you this first. Why do you think the series The Politician is worthy of critical analysis, especially given the climate we're living in right now? Sure. So um, I really enjoyed The Politician when it came out. I thought it was really exciting. I really enjoy Ryan Murphy's um, TV shows on this part. I think they have like great aesthetics. I just find them all very attractive and like fun to watch. Um, I also really like how he likes to address um, like political issues in the United States. And I think The Politician is a great example of one of his series that really does that. I think this series... Um, really kind of addresses some of the largest political issues faced by our country and kind of like goes head on against the issues that like us as voters have with those in political power in office. Um, I think it's also 
fun to see how it addresses like what we want to see in a politician. Like the show is incredibly unrealistic and um, these people are very clearly characters, but like we want our politicians to be characters. Like they are not real people. They are a caricature of a person that we expect them to be. So I think that's a really weird thing to address and the show does a good job at that. Awesome. Well, Jack, I know that you've thought about kind of, and also as you just mentioned, but like you've thought about a couple of, topics you want to tackle on this episode so we'd love if you have questions or things you want to tackle to start with that and then we can share some of the questions we have sure yeah i like one of the main things i wanted to point out about this series as a whole is like the lack of addressing political issues by the characters like it like every now and then peyton i guess will bring up an issue like gun violence or um or like plastic straws in the end when he's elected class president or when he's not elected class president he just becomes class president um but as a whole these characters are not really concerned with like political political issues faced by their constituency and that i mean i think that is very reflective of people in political power in our country right now yeah i mean i found myself like thinking that watching it um like i said in the intro or in asking this first question nelly and jack have both watched all of season one and season two i believe and i've only watched i just started season two i actually haven't watched okay. it yet so i've kind it. of well audience just know i've only seen five episodes so if i you know if you've seen everything and i like know that understand it's just because i'm currently watching um episode six literally 10 minutes before we started to watch like our podcast i'm addicted to it um but so you know political dramas i think netflix like when um house of cards came out i know that shook a lot of people because it like really shows american politics quote unquote and like is supposed to reflect the clintons and how they like would do anything to get in power and i think the politician you could argue is like um well it is supposed to be a dark comedy but it's supposed to like um i think it's more of a light-hearted version of house of cards but in high school um because i think you see like the savageness of what people are willing to do to become just student body president uh, and I think there are so many things where I'm just like, this is insane. This is crazy and chaotic, but I also am enjoying it very like immensely. Whereas like house of cards, I couldn't get past the first season because it was the most depressing thing I think I've ever witnessed in my life. No. Yeah. I remember when we were, when I first watched, um, so I only just first watched the politician in like the early part of quarantine. And I was like, I started it with my family and I remember my mom would just like burst out into spurts of laughter because she would be like this is literally a high school election and then I also was thinking about like we didn't really have student body president elections in my high school but obviously like I experienced the elections at Swanee and they're like not anywhere near this and so it's wild and to like a certain extent, I feel like we're getting almost more of an insight into the the elections and the politicians than we do in into like the own like like actual government elections, which I think is really interesting. And then thinking about the parallels between the two was really fascinating to me. And and like you said, Jack, that they definitely sidestep a lot of the issues that they probably should be tackling. And that kind of makes me think about 
um, while like the politician is very inclusive and representative in its cast, something that my friend Kayla, who we've talked about on the podcast before, um, who insisted that we talk about the show. So shout out Queen. Um, she pointed out to me about how like Peyton and River are like, obviously they're both white men and they both strategically seek out like people of different identities to be their VP. And then it's very much portrayed as like, they're not necessarily talking about the issues that go alongside those identities. So they're more so just like tokenizing those people so that they can be elected. And I also thought that, I mean, this is less so with River. I don't want to necessarily dig on him, but also, yeah, he does this. Um, but I also think it's worth considering like when, spoiler, when River died, his VP Sky like doesn't run. Instead, like Astrid runs and then Sky is Astrid's VP. And so like, I don't know. I, I think it is very much a commentary on Ryan Murphy, like on Ryan Murphy's part of like why these particular people are in power. And I think that the show does a really great job in terms of representation of like race, sexuality, ability, um, and whatnot. But they're, I don't know. This was just something that I, I don't know that I necessarily have like a question, but I guess it's just wild to me that like Astrid was the one that ran in the end. Um, and then, Obviously, that's not like what ends up happening, but it was just something that Kayla had pointed out to me that I was like, no, that's facts. Like the tokenization, and then like that sky in the end isn't the one that's running. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's like oh, like a hundred percent intentional. I feel like that is definitely something that like the director thought needed to be addressed. I mean, in American politics, both leaders of or the leaders of like, both parties are usually like cis het white people um white men white men to a lesser extent but white people um and i i mean i think he definitely wanted to bring that up and oftentimes i feel like like minorities poc lgbtqi individuals um they they're kind of used as pawns by these people in power um and and activists oftentimes don't actually get that much of a say in the positions of power in our country i also think like that that's an interesting point because by like as being a feminist in the south I just remember being asked so many times I might have mentioned this on an earlier podcast I can't remember but um you know when our governor who is a woman was appointed because our last governor got kicked out of office because he used government funds for his affair anyways love Alabama roll tide um our new governor was a woman and she was appointed. And um, when my family members asked, Are, aren't you so excited that your governor is a woman? And I'm like, "We no, I agree with her on literally nothing politically. Just the fact that she's a woman isn't a reason to celebrate her being in this position of leadership. So I think that's an interesting point that like, just because it is a minority most of the time it is like a white woman who's like put in this position and then I'm questioned and being like you're a feminist you must be so excited that this person's in power but it's like well if their policies and their intentions are to hurt other minorities then how much can we actually celebrate this person being on the ticket mm-hmm. you know women in this movie being used as like political pawns it's like not always empowering especially if they're not hel- helping to empower others yeah absolutely I mean like 
like Peyton's girlfriend is a great example of Alice. Um, I, Alice, sorry, <laughs> Alice was. No, Alice, you're fine. Alice is Alice is a great example of like like being used as a pawn by River. I mean, he he used her to conceal his sexuality um, and his feelings for River. She's the person who got him out of like being a murder suspect. She took the fall by claiming to cheat on him when she actually did not. Well, she did, but, um, <laughs> but like, I mean, she really like, she like jumped on the grenade, I guess, for so many of his problems. Yeah. And I know that I texted you all about this um, sometime last week or this weekend, but I was, when thinking about questions to talk about on the podcast, when thinking about the politician, cause I, I mean, I know we've already talked about how it, I think it'll be difficult to answer the feminist question at the end of this episode, but I was trying to think about kind of the differences of the female characters, and I know we're only talking about the first few episodes, so I'll keep that in mind, because I, like I said, I've now kind of dove into season two, so I'll keep that separate, but in particular, I think it'd be interesting to think about Alice alongside Astrid and how they both, like, at one point were like the counterparts um, and partners of these politicians, um, high school politicians, but then like how the ways in which they kind of, I don't know, go about like their actions and whether it's helping their partner climb to the top or them they themselves climbing to the top or if doing both is what's happening too. And I, I don't know, I just think both of these characters are pretty unique. Um, I mean, we've definitely seen them before in television, but I would love to like, maybe if y'all are interested, do kind of like a compare and contrast of them um, and the ways in which we react to them. I don't know if y'all thought about this, but I know I did. Okay, well, to say more, (laughs) basically for me, and it's hard for me, like, honestly, it's hard for me to talk about this knowing that I've watched more of the show. So keep this in mind. And if folks listening have watched all of it, share your thoughts of beyond this. But basically, to me, it's kind of like the difference between choosing to be the politician's wife or choosing to be like the politician yourself. And how does that either like that perspective that I have, and seeing if that like, how does the way in which it's presented affect how we think about it and how does society and our like internalized misogyny affect the ways in which we react to these characters actions because I think they're both stone cold bitches in their own way and those are qualities I very much admire about them but I don't know like I definitely think that there are things that both of them do that I would accept over the other if that makes sense yeah I mean I do think they portray themselves in a different manner I think Alice often has this like Jackie O like vibe about her um, kind of like stand by your man situation um, and then Astrid is so much more reverent Astrid is one of my favorite characters also just so everyone knows um, she she really I mean she's so mani- manipulative and intense and powerful and I mean like River was running for office but Alice was running River I mean like that was that was one of the first scenes where like she like she was faking faking it in sex with him to give him more confidence. And then when he asked her about it, she was like, yeah, you need to be more confident. Like she obviously is, she was running the show in a way. And Alice yeah. also was, but. Yeah, Astrid says something like, where is it? She's like, we're giving you the self-confidence to be the man I know you can be. And I was like, okay, that's like both problematic, but also kind of savage. Like I was like, I both admire that and hate it. Cause it's like giving men 
more than they deserve but then also being like like in that way she's like very much in in control and has her power in it all at the same time like I was like oh my gosh I don't even know how to feel about that and it's such a like it's such a she Astrid is such a genius character I feel like um yeah and then when she's like I'll do that and she and Peyton in my opinion have a lot in common because after that scene with River happens Astrid says I'll do better to be to appear more authentic from now on and that's basically all that Peyton is doing his entire experience he's like trying to appear authentic and doing like like showing emotion when he knows he's like supposed to but not necessarily because he's actually emoting that way and I feel like Astrid does the same thing and they're both qualities that are very much present in politicians um which I think is like the whole point and commentary that the show is making you mean psychopaths literally yeah I mean there's there's such an emptiness to both of their characters they they emote the way they think everyone else expects them to but like in reality they could care less about most anything going on around them that's literally the definition of a psychopath I know that because I watched Shane Dawson's whole docuseries on Jake Paul and learn so much about like psychopaths <laughs> and it's not like you know we think oh they're gonna murder me it, like that's not the case they just don't have like normal human emotions they lack all um sympathy and empathy so then therefore they project emotions that they see other people projecting because they want to be normal as well but you see them oftentimes being politicians and ceos because they don't mind stepping on other people um so for the whole week I was going around self-diagnosing people as if they were psychopaths or not which is very wrong of me to do um Am I, I didn't no okay because I was a politician in college <laughs> no I realized I realized real quick I'm not a psychopath because when I was eight years old I cried during March of the Penguins twice you cry like every two seconds now I cried during Cheetah Girl thank you Jack so. <laughs> yes yeah but um, no, I couldn't find any psychopaths in my immediate circle. But one out of every 25 pr- people are psychopaths, so be on the lookout. But that's like, back to the question about Alice versus Astrid. Also interesting that they both have similar names. They're both blonde and beautiful. And they're both stone-cold bitches that I want to be one day. But why do I like Alice more? Can someone answer that for me? I, I need to think about that. And maybe it's just because I haven't finished this season. It's and called internalized misogyny. You don't want to see a woman in power. No, I don't know. Maybe it is. I can call myself. Well, I was having the same thing the where case. I was like, I think I grow to love Astrid the most because I also tend to be drawn to evil characters. But I think I also like accepted Alice more. Well, I think Alice is also evil. I just, she's also, I just don't like, I just, I I think think in my head, she what? She just talks about it less, I think. Yeah. And maybe it's just because I've just been seeing Astrid as like the opponent to Peyton. And I'm curious to see how they're going to portray her after this election. And I obviously like, I respect the fact that she was like, I know you're not going to be happy, like winning by default so I'm dropping out anyways just to make your life more miserable like I respect the hustle in that like that's sexy yeah. good for you Astrid um no I think it's badass I think something is that we very much see Astrid I feel like through her own eyes like we see it like her through her perspective whereas I feel like when we're um 
and this is kind of the case in the entire show, push back if you disagree, but I feel like with Alice, you see, like you pretty much exclusively see Alice through Peyton's eyes. And that in itself, while I recognize for whatever reason, this is something that I very much just accept, but I think that's because of my like, being raised in this society and like having internalized misogyny but like I think like we don't really we only see Alice through Peyton's gaze and hit and her relationship to him and while she is also like a bad bitch and I very much admire her and she has kind of like Jackie O but almost like more so Hillary vibes to me because yeah she very I, much was, has her, I was thinking that yeah yeah like she very much has her like her own ambition she's honestly like way smarter than him but also she's like willing to put him first for the sake of like her growth which I admire truthfully and also it's not like Astrid isn't doing that Astrid very much is doing that too and you wonder if like she would be acting the same way if River lived like Mm -hmm. are they just more or less the same character I don't know sorry I'm super going on tangents that's a good point I didn't I like never even thought about like if River hadn't died would Astrid had stayed in this box of being the first lady I honestly don't don't think I don't think so I don't think so well she doesn't even like fully get like you can tell that like she definitely doesn't have any she's not confined because she doesn't even like spoiler she doesn't even like continue on with the election so I think that in itself shows that like she's not necessarily being pressured by it shows that she has like plenty of privilege and she's just like this white bitch that can be like I'll do whatever I want but also she's not confined by anyone's standards necessarily in terms of um expectations other than her father who's a sociopath but I also kind of like some of his lines who's hot I don't think he's hot he was the dad in perks of being a wallflower I'm sorry I had to bring that up oh my god he was the dad in perks of being a wallflower well, we're really yeah. tying, we're really tying so much back to that up I also think the reason I love Alice is because she, like, the whole lie detector scene, it is my dream to be able yes. to pass a lie detector test. I'm obsessed with that. I watch lie detector tests on YouTube all the time, specifically Chris Watts' lie detector test, and I think it, like, I would be very good at giving a lie detector test. Maybe I should go to school for that. I don't know. Like, I would love to manipulate criminals into confessing to murder. Anyways, but so I really respect and, like, have a newfound appreciation for Alice's character when she, like, has so much knowledge and can can manipulate a um, lie detector test because... As she says, it's really not even a test. It's just measuring your breaths and how much you sweat and your heartbeat. And she, like, beats the system. And I just thought that was so cool. Fans, of- I'll let you know by the end of the season one how I feel. So one of my favorite quotes um, was actually after that situation where Peyton essentially asked Alice, she's like, I can't believe you did that. And she said, believe what? That I'm a stone-cold bitch with ice water in my veins. And that was just, like, hot. That was really hot. It was hot. It was hot. Yeah, and also the dad who y'all are saying is hot, but I do not. Where is You it? don't think he's hot? I don't think he's hot. Sorry. Where's the quote? Jack, do you think he's hot? Yeah. Okay. Oh, 
yeah <laughs> he's, he's literally he he in episode three he and astrid are like having lunch and he's literally like embrace your inner coldness unapologetically and i'm like yes advice to live by i super don't do that but i should um oh, that's are you funny. laughing knowing well because like Nellie and I could never be politicians because she's such a two and I'm such a four, you know? Oh my gosh, fans. I found out my Enneagram. I know fours y'all have been t- Fours can absolutely be politicians. What about eights? Eights can eights eights like skyrocket as politicians. Really? I feel like. Yeah, because you gotta be that's like the ultimate apologetic character to me okay but the whole thing that's is all that the eights i know i love you i'm not, there's not me being like you're a bitch but i do think that like thanks nelly the inside joke I of the podcast is that i know i didn't know my enneagram and everyone would be like my enneagram's this and i'd be like i don't know what my enneagram is i'm so like kooky and weird but now i know my enneagram's a four and i am like so obsessed with it now i'm like yes i'm a four and that's why i do this and that's why when I have a bad day I think the whole world hates me and is talking bad about me and so I couldn't be a politician because one thing goes wrong and I'm like wow everyone hates me I'm gonna go live in a cave so moving on from the fact that if I was a politician and okay wait whatever Uh, moving on from the fact that I could never be a politician um season one of this show is about a high school student election um that is definitely very dramatic I can speak from experience because I was the vice president of our student government in my high school oh my god to me seriously um my older brother was president his year I was vp1 because we had two vps I had be I was vp1 my senior year and then my younger brother was VP2 his senior year so you could say the Simmons family really liked SGA at Homewood High School. Um, So anyways I can attest that the student election portrayed in the politician is extremely dramatized. Is that the right word? Dramatized. Dramatized yeah. Is extremely dramatized but it makes for great TV nonetheless. How does it compare to the current election we're experiencing and in what ways is it similar and in what ways is it different? I think when addressing current American politics in relation to this TV series, um, it's really important to focus on episode five in season one. The title of that episode is The Voter, and this episode really breaks from the norm of season one and does not follow around the main characters. Instead, it follows around a normal high school student at Peyton and Astrid's high school as he is tried to be harassed into voting. Um, and I, I think like he's, he's a very powerful character because he's bothered by these people. And in the end, he doesn't vote. Um, and I, I mean, voter turnout in the United States is incredibly low. And a lot of, it, it's very apparent that a lot of people don't think that it's important to vote in this country. And I mean, I mean, the, and, and I mean, the student, when, he, like, when he's asked why he didn't vote, he believes that nothing is going to change. Um, he was really disillusioned by the politicians that he was faced to choose between and I think I mean that's a massive issue that we're dealing right now dealing with right now because our politicians are kind of so uninspiring no I agree I thought the same thing I think like the last line I can't remember the name of that character but he's also irrelevant even though he matters and his vote matters the last line he says is like my vote doesn't matter anyway and he like walks away from the dinner table and but I remember thinking the same thing Jack how 
I was like, yeah, that is very much the attitude. I feel like it's the attitude that I like I hear now. It's very much the attitude that I think I experienced in 2016, um, especially being in a state like Massachusetts where like we're going blue regardless. But I also think that like, even if you're in a place where like your vote may not like, you may not be in a battleground state, so your vote may not have the weight that it would somewhere else you still like have like the civic duty to like have an impact on those other places in my opinion so like for me I'm like oh those like while that opinion is like so common it's like it can be so tough to hear um but yeah I agree and I think that while like while the the politicians in the politician aren't necessarily tackling the issues the school itself is tackling a bunch of issues like indirectly it kind of tackles like voter suppression with like this girl that's trying to vote that day and is being turned away basically. And then of course, just like undecided voters and polling and all these things that go into an election that I just think it does a really good job of like educating people on these things that like we've all, all like terms we've heard and things we know about, but maybe if you have, if you haven't taken a class on the electoral process, you may not know as much about it. So, I mean, or if like all you have is like your base baseline U.S. history course in like high school, then you may not remember. And I think that it's not necessarily the politician's job to be educating us on this, but I think it does a good job of highlighting these issues. Um, but yeah, I really thought it was such a genius, just like thirty-minute episode that they like just put in. I was not expecting it. I was so confused at first when they start, you know, having this perspective as a random nobody in high school um, in his bed. yeah that, mm. <laughs> <laughs> he masturbated a lot um a lot like yeah, sir are you okay yeah he had an intense sex drive and he was just looking at everyone's butts yeah and then i thought, I thought this, that's when you were had, reminded that this was about high school and not about real <laughs> yeah yeah, well, I think it also is just such a representation of what, like, pubescent boys think about. Like, I, I don't, I've never experienced that perspective, so it was very eye-opening for me. Um, God bless. God bless. Um, but I think it could be suggested that it's an analogy for, like, people who don't vote because they're just so obsessed with trivial things in day-to-day life and the fact that his biggest issue was that um he couldn't get privacy in the bathroom which I get like yeah that would probably be important in high school but his other main issue was that he couldn't get hot cheetos in the vending machine I think that's so prevalent to like people nowadays being like oh I don't care about voting unless you do something that is like not that important but affects me um so I think I remember watching it and just being so frustrated with his character, but that also could just be because he reminded me of all the boys I dated in high school. Yeah, I, I do think I that's, thought that was hmm? funny. I, I do think it's, I mean, it's important to like, first of all, kind of like when talking about this character to address like the privileged background that we all come from. Um, we all went to a university that really um, emphasized the importance of civic and political engagement. Um, kind of beat it into us almost. I mean, like, very, very involved place. Um, so I, I think a lot of people just kind of don't have, like, a general understanding of the fact that, like, all of these things do really affect them. 
like intensely. Um, so they just choose to not vote. I mean, like, like not even like when talking about the presidential election, I mean, like, I think that's really exhausting for a lot of people. Um, but local elections are extremely important. They, they, they impact so many more things that affect you directly than a presidential election. I mean, like, whether that be like traffic laws, like hospital education, hospitals, education, different services you have access to, whether, I mean, like even like waste management and where you live, like all of these things, like elected officials have a say in. So, I mean, like, it is really important for people to understand that like, it's not just the presidential election. Despite that being important, it, it probably impacts you a lot less than who your county commissioner is or mayor. T. Yeah, absolutely. No, it made so much sense. And it's something that I thought about when writing my action item for today. So we're gearing up. I know when we've been talking about the election in November, well, there are elections in November and that's like the language more so that we should be using. But obviously there's a huge presidential election, but like you said, there are other really important elections that like we should be learning more about and being geared up to exercise our civic duty in. Well, okay, so I have a question that I didn't write down and we haven't prepared for. So um, let's just roll with it. Um, I feel like every time we do this podcast or I watch a new piece of media that I'm supposed to be thinking about critically, I'm immediately drawn to like characterization and what the characters are supposed to mean and how we're supposed to kind of welcome them are we supposed to like them are we supposed to not like them and I think I really enjoy the fact that the three of us have disagreed on who we like the most in the series um but I would like to talk about like how we are supposed to perceive certain people like Peyton and River and Sky specifically because one thing I do really appreciate is the sense of diversity and identities in this um, TV series. Um, and I know like River and Peyton technically aren't considered like um, openly gay men to the world, but to the TV show, you see that part. Um, but specifically, I found myself not liking the character Sky. And part of me was like, is that problematic of me? Because she is a uh, black queer woman. And do I not like her because internalized misogyny or internalized homophobia? Like what is going on? Or can I simply not like her because she seems kind of mean? So I would love y'all's take on that. And then also if you have a take on another character, how they're portrayed, how you like them, how you don't like them and why. I mean, Sky did try and murder her opponent. Is so that, like, mean, in the end? Or, like, when she was, like, joking about that? No, like, she, she, sorry, she, uh, sorry, I spoiled it, but yeah, she did. Oh, no, it's okay. I love spoilers. <laughs> okay, so that makes me feel better that I didn't just not like her for a bad reason. But to be fair, also, I will say, pushback, like, yes, I think that Sky is in the wrong in many capacities, especially, she takes the politics to the extreme, something that, like, they all joke about like assassinating the other person but then she like actually goes there but I think another thing is that I think many of the times just to kind of your point about her being like mean I think many of the times where she's angry again I don't think acting on it in terms of like trying to kill your opponent is good but I think most of the time when she's angry it's like pretty warranted 
it's like because her opinion hasn't been taken into account or like she's been tokenized or things like that so I do think that like I think it's good you're asking this question Pete because I think it's like why do I feel this way I do think that like we are I, I I'm sure that I'm more forgiving of Peyton and River like even earlier in this episode I was more forgiving of River for tokenizing Sky because like he had his own mental health baggage that he was dealing with which is like basically I was more forgiving of River kind of knowing like what was going on with him but like it's still not an excuse to be like tokenizing an individual and also we don't necessarily know how the election would have moved forward and maybe it would have been very much more so of a partnership but with Astrid it's like really not like they don't have a concrete partnership so I think like Sky is pretty warranted to be angry um I don't know I think that I felt like I was able to digest the characters in the ways in which the for the most part in the ways in which the creators had intended I'm sure I in particular really love like two of my favorite characters are um James and McAvee um just because I think the they're like the campaign managers for Peyton I just think that they're like like the their intensity surrounding the whole campaign is hilarious to me and also just like like the representation through James like the trans representation I think is like I think to have a trans man trans man in a show like this is like pretty rare um correct me if I'm wrong but I just feel like that made me happy to see and I think his character is brilliant um it didn't really answer your question I kind of took it in a different direction no I think that did kind of answer it and I think yeah I mean I think everything you just said made sense and I agree with all of it and um yeah I love the dynamic of James and but I can't remember that girl's name which is McAvee McAvee they're so funny and like so good fun fact I put this in my notes but um I don't know I know Jack earlier you mentioned that you've watched other Ryan Murphy shows um one of them one of the biggest ones was Glee um and (laughs) Literally, I don't know if y'all made it all the way through season six, but I have. And the girl who plays McAvee plays a character in Glee on season six. So. Who? Like a one-time she's, character? Yeah, she's, well, she's not a one-time character, but she's just in the last season. She's like one of the, she's a member of the New Directions. And she has a twin brother. She's like on the Cheerios also. But like when you watch it, you don't like they the characters are so different that like it's really hard to connect the dots. But I happen to be watching Queen <laughs> right now because it's my guilty pleasure. So it's a very problematic show, whatever. But I when, love it. When thinking about those three characters that you brought up, um, I, I think it's I, I really wish that we had more of a perspective about what the, the voter thought of them. Um, I, I think they kind of personify more more activist groups in our country, um, people who feel very strongly about certain topics, um, oftentimes because they reflect their own interests, which is extremely valid to be passionate about something. But I, 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 I'm just like very intrigued to see how people kind of in the middle of things view those individuals, why they view them, and if that's problematic. Um, like whether people, a lot of people have these like certain unconscious or, or, or conscious biases and, and how would we go about as a society trying to like repair those issues? I, I would, I really wish that the director would have given us a perspective of what like 
this um this idea of like a normal voter thought of characters like James McAfee and um uh what is their their name Sky Sky sorry I'm really interested to see like like what the average voter thought of Sky McAfee and James these more activist um characters and kind of um what their opinion was of them based off of like their their really like inner energized attitudes and passions for these certain kind of um, more marginal interests that obviously they they have a stake in because it affects them directly um i but i mean i think that sorry there's a train coming um there's the train um, do you not think the episode the voter showed that the voter was very annoyed and didn't like those people like do you not I mean, I don't know if they, like, actually said their opinion, though. Like, I mean, I think there was general annoyance, but I wish there was more, like, like more in-depth, like, what about you do I not like? And, like, I mean, and, like, it could be that they don't like them because they are, like, queer or trans or POC. I mean, I think, like, like whether that be conscious or unconscious. Yeah, I remember when, I literally don't know the character, the, the name of the voter, but I think that's probably fine. Um, I remember when he, like, shoved James. I was, like, particularly upset about that just literally because of James's identity. And I was, like, kind of, like, whoa, there's weight to that more so than if James were a cis man. Or, like, truthfully, even a cis woman, just because I think of, like the like, the identity politics with that. And I, like, but like you said, it's not like James was walking up to him and being like here are the issues I care about he was just trying to kind of like bro out with him and the guy was like get out of my face and again I don't ever warrant violence but um like you said it wasn't it wasn't because of the issues it was just because of kind of like pushback I guess um but I agree I wish that we had gotten I guess if I'm understanding your question or just kind of your point Jack I wish that we had gotten kind of more of like the, like that's the only voter perspective we get is that one person. And I think if we had gotten kind of more like even people like uh, the three of us, if we were like students at the school, how we would be like talking about the election and things like that. Like, I just feel like you don't get, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you don't really hear about people outside the campaign or this one voter, which I think is maybe telling, like maybe that's a commentary on kind of like, you only really know about the campaign and yourself um, and maybe like your own little like pot of people. So then like your, your perspective of the campaign itself is pretty skewed. Um, so I'm sure that's intentional, but I agree with you that like, it would have been nice to hear one more so about like the issues that these individuals were passionate about. And then kind of more so about like the voter base as a whole. I mean, yeah, I think, I think that's really important to address too. I think oftentimes politicians could, care less about what say the average person thinks I think they are very focused on their kind of like echo chamber of consciousness and kind of banking on the fact that people don't care about what they're interested in are just not going to vote so they don't worry about them Um, I mean I I do think politicians like when not that many people vote because it's more likely that they'll remain in power Republicans they do like that. <laughs> they do like it, and they like to suppress the voters too. It's not to say the Democrats haven't been a part of it, in the, or ever they have. I mean, it's just kind of like whoever has power is going to try and keep yeah. it up to Two-party system is not the way to go. George Chaotic. Washington said that. I think. Also, the electoral college sucks ass. 
Massachusetts is voting for rank rank voting in um in our state during this that's election. Awesome. So. That's so cool. I think it's question that's two. Good. So. No, that's like, good. That like Massachusetts we better vote yes. Hopefully that will like happen, and then we can see how well it works, and other states could follow suit. That would be amazing. Yeah, I think some states do it, but it's pretty. I don't know. I feel like Colorado probably does. <laughs> I can assure you, Alabama does not. We like worship the electoral college at its core, and I still don't know why. Yeah, because it elects Republicans. It keeps Republicans in power. Teehee. I mean, like, if, if 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 there was a popular vote system in place, we all. I mean, Donald Trump would not be the president. Correct. No. Like literally would not. Like that's not. We all know that. <laughs> we all know. Okay, so we. I feel like we've had some really interesting and great discussion about this, and I'm super excited to finish this season. Hopefully tonight. I know it's eight fifteen in Alabama, and I plan on finishing this. Um, this whole season tonight. So I'll let you know if I do that. But um, we have to ask the age-old question, is The Politician a feminist TV show? Can we, can we say that it is like a feminist form of media? Nellie, would you like to start? Sure. Um, I'll try to keep my answer short just because I think it's gonna be kind of similar to my answer in past weeks. Um, I think it's like intersectionally feminist in the sense that it is very representative of a lot of different identities. Um, but at the same time, it definitely like misses the mark in some capacities. But I also think it's a commentary on society. But like, I think it's hard to call something intersectionally feminist when like the main protagonist is a white man. And then like, I would probably argue that Astrid is like the like main like female protagonist. And again, like, still just a white woman and, like, not actually the main character. So, um, but I also think that, like, the ways in which the show makes a commentary on, like, our society is productive in a feminist sense. So, kind of similar to, like, I think I said this both when we talked, the very different, very different topics, but, like, both when we talked about Get Out and when we talked about Purse Being a Wallflower, I think when they're drawing attention to issues that, um marginalized or like that like oppressed marginalized communities then I think it like you could argue that it's feminist but like I don't think it's like the ultimate like girl power film or girl power tv show but I think that's okay because I don't think that needs to be like I don't think all feminist film and tv needs to be like the same narrative also I think the fact that it portrays some stone cold bitches is like very good representation and I think it's like a new kind of, it's definitely not new characteristics, but I do think just like with the nature of the TV show, it's kind of like new kind of characters for young women in particular to aspire to be um, and to be like embrace your coldness unapologetically like Astrid's dad advises her to do, even though he's psychotic. But yeah, I would say, I would say like a soft, yeah. <laughs> a soft yeah it's a light yeah a low fat yeah yeah like I think if I were making a list of feminist tv shows like I don't know that I w- well maybe this would make the mark maybe but I don't know that I think it's definitely worth our 
commentary and that's why we're talking about it but yeah I think I would say a soft yeah an ASMR yeah <laughs> but I'm um, curious to hear what y'all think yeah I'm yeah I will probably have to agree and kind of repeat a lot of what you just said Nellie um if we were making a list of like top tv shows with like queer representation that I enjoy this would definitely be on it I don't know if it would be on the list for top feminist tv shows as you just said but I think the fact that it is a satire or I think the fact that it is a satirical dark comedy you have to understand like the fact that you the main characters running for this election are white men is like you said a representation of our country today and <clears throat> i i would say yes it, it's a feminist tv show um and because i really do like the representation of astrid and alice and how I feel very empowered watching them be stone cold bitches with ice water in their veins. Um, their words, not mine. But yeah, I kind of have lost my train of thought. Haha, <laughs> get it? Because there's a train um, in Jack's background. Um, I also really like Gwyneth Paltrow's character. Um, yeah. We didn't talk about her a lot, but I think her character is very fascinating. First off, she falls in love with a woman, too, so even more um, queer representation. But also, I think she, her character is really great at portraying the sacrifices one will do with motherhood. Like, she is going, she would give up her happiness in her life um, for Peyton's success. And I don't necessarily know if that's empowering, but I think that was definitely powerful and I think her character has some of the best quotes. And, um, like, I think Gwyneth Paltrow as a whole is kind of annoying as an actress. Hot take. But I think her character in this TV show is very interesting, very well done. And I kind of want her to be my friend and, like, hug me and coddle me. I, I love the aesthetics of the character in this show. Um, yes. You, I know, like, I've watched all of season two. I, the I don't show is beautiful. But you'll, you're, you'll really like her. Really? Yeah. So excited. I'm not necessarily sure how, though, I can, like, tie that into feminism. But I, I think Gwyneth Paltrow's character is very powerful in her own way. I'm not even sure if I could put it into words, but I really enjoy it. Jack, thoughts? Um, I... I would say yes, that it is a um, is a feminist show. Um, I feel like a lot of times you have to take uh, Ryan Murphy's directing with a grain of salt and kind of understand that this is oftentimes a social commentary. And like if, if something is like, oh, that's problematic, he would be like, yeah, that's the point, I guess, if that, if that makes sense. All of Glee. Yeah. <laughs> also, didn't he do – didn't he, he do – um, did I make this up or did he do American, like, true crime Versace? I don't know. I've never seen that. Do, Jack, do you know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. I have not seen it. But did he, did he produce it and direct it? it? Aesthetically, it looks like he did it, but I don't. BRB. I, I, 
but uh, yeah, I agree that like, and I think at this point enough people are familiar with, I would, or I would like to hope so, but I feel like enough people are familiar with Ryan Murphy to like know that that's what he's doing. I kind of feel like when Glee first came out, people maybe didn't know that, but, and so that's why I think while parts of Glee like truly are problematic, mostly just because Lee and Michelle is kind of the worst, um, not really necessarily Ryan Murphy's fault, but like, I feel like then people didn't necessarily know his intentionality behind it, but I feel like with a show like The Politician, they do. They're able to, like like you said, Jack, know that it's a social commentary on stuff. Do we want to dive Okay, into wait, it? Ryan Murphy literally also produced American Horror Story, which is very, I can't even think of a, a, a word to describe it, unsettling. And then, yeah, he did American Crime Story, which was O.J. Simpson the first season, and then the murder of um, Versace, and it follows, like, the guy who assassinated Versace, and you see, like, the whole life and life story of the guy who assassinated and killed Versace, and it's super creepy, but also well done. So I think the whole, like, your whole point about him doing something because it calls out something problematic I think that's just like his niche and I think he does it well and it makes you think and it makes you enjoy the art. They're so aesthetically pleasing, the shows too. Anyway, we should move to our action items. Is there anything else we want to add about the politician before we dive in? No. Okay. Sorry in advance for my long ass plug, but as we've said in the past, we want to get to November 3rd knowing that we did everything we could. So... I encourage you to go to mobilize.us backslash 2020 victory to learn about ways to get involved. A couple weeks ago, I participated in a call training through 2020 victory and I have been making calls in battleground states and it's been going relatively well. Um, You can too, or find other ways to get involved, like hosting virtual events or even doing text campaigns. The Victory 2020 team is fantastic and gives you all the tools you need to have the confidence to contribute to electing Democrats Democrats across America all the way down the ticket. They give you scripts for phone calls and offer a resource bank of volunteers to help you if you have any questions. I've had a great experience so far, so I encourage you to check it out. Again, learn more about ways you can help by visiting mobilize.us backslash 2020 victory. Also, I'd like to plug votesaveamerica.com, which I believe I plugged on a previous episode. Vote Save America gives you tools to learn about what's on your ballot, know where and when you're voting, and make a plan for election day. We all know the presidential election happens on November 3rd, or at least you should, and we kind of talked about this earlier in the episode, but many state and local elections are happening as well. So make sure you do your research on the candidates and the issues. Votes of America also gives you the opportunity to volunteer or adopt a battleground state, something I plugged in a previous episode. And it's not too late to make an impact in the places that are going to be huge when it comes to the outcome on November 3rd. Again, check out votesaveamerica.com or check out crooked.com for more. Finally, if you want to help stop help staff your local polling place sign up to be a poll worker by visiting powerthepolls.org poll workers get ppe training and in some districts they even get paid there is a huge need for this so please contribute if you are able to make sure 
elections run smoothly and that everyone's vote is counted. Also, while I'm on my soapbox, I just want to say, for the love of God, please vote Biden-Harris on November 3rd. Fuck Trump, fuck Pence, and also um, fuck Amy Coney, Coney Barrett. Fuck that bitch. Hate her. And Rhodes. Yeah, also fuck Rhodes. <laughs> YSR. YSR. Um, so I think Nellie's action item could probably speak for the three of us, but I'm just going to add a quick little snippet. Um, I found this Instagram account called voting.school. Shout out Quinn, if you're listening, I saw this on your story and I um, looked at it and it's super helpful. It's a really easy way to find resources for each state and that it's a comprehensive state-by-state guide to voting with confidence. Um, And it just tells you like your state and like when certain deadlines are and how you can vote early and how you can vote by mail. Um, Fun fact for all the Alabama people, I do not believe we can vote early. Alabama is not a state where you can vote early. So um, make sure to, if you can't, um, go to your polling station on November 3rd to um, register to vote and get your absentee ballot in. And yeah, so follow voting.school or go look it up if you want to know more about different states and their voting procedures. Okay, um, I guess mine is fairly open-ended. I don't have a particular organization to plug, but I am kind of assuming that a lot of the people that um, are listening to this podcast are recent college graduates, um, specifically from Suwannee, but anywhere else. Um, I feel like we're kind of a nomadic group of individuals, um, and I think it's really easy for us to ignore the politics going on around us in the various cities that we've moved to. Because, uh, I mean, like, I'm from Georgia, but I'm in Mississippi now, so I really need to focus on Mississippi politics and kind of, like, understand where I'm living and how I can get involved to help causes that I care about. I mean, I live in a red state, uh, but the city I live in is not. So it's really, I just, I just need to, but I, this is almost like me calling myself out. But just make sure you kind of understand the politics of where you are and how you can contribute to what you care about. I love that. Yeah, thanks, Jack. I feel like that was something that people needed to hear. Um, and thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast this week. I don't know if you have anything you want to plug. Um, no, but thank you for having okay. me. Though. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much. And to close, we like to have a quote from the show. So if you want to share one, that would be awesome. Yeah, my favorite quote is Astrid um, when she went on her little sabbatical to New York with um, that weird dude. Uh, She said, being lame was liberating. Um, And I kind of agree with that. I think it's pretty fun to just fuck it and do whatever. A good message to hear in quarantine, especially because I feel like we're all being lame. But Jack doesn't actually know that because he's never been lame lame in his life. Sure, yeah. It's true. He's not lame an icon all right um well thanks so much jack um everyone have a good weekend uh this has been feminist themes and quarantine queens bye bye